Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back into another episode of The Buster Show. Today, we have an NBA champion, Kendrick Perkins, and new media legend, Kendrick Perkins. Welcome to the show. Hey, Buster, what's happening, man? I appreciate you having me on. I'm just, hey, look, off record, man, we're going to just have to, you're going to have to give me the insight on how to get my followers up on IG, all right? Yeah, don't, give me your, don't give me your secret so everybody can know. I want to know off record. <laughs> I got you on that. Followers on Hoops Nation, oh, that's crucial. That's a great job. That means people, you're putting out the right content. You're putting out what people want to see. So that's good stuff, man. Real talk. I appreciate that, man. I actually wanted to start this off talking about kind of your new journey in media. Um, you you started with ESPN how long ago now? Uh, I'm going on one year. One year, so I started last March. And uh, man, you know, to be honest, the crazy thing about it was that I was actually trying to get out, get my voice heard by being on media, being in, being in the media because I wanted to be the first, the next head coach that was a big man that played in the league because I feel like bigs get overlooked. And then all of a sudden I started really enjoying the media and I was like, hold on, they calling me back and all I got to do is watch the game and go on it and talk noise about it the next day and talk about what I saw and just break it down. I was like, I could do this. Like, I instantly started falling in love with it. And really, it wasn't nothing that was intentionally planned. It just kind of happened. And I think the best thing about it, too, is that it's from your perspective. You know, having played with all the insane teammates that you have on all the great teams that you have, I think, and I feel this way, and I think about this almost every day, it's crazy how many people in these media positions did not play the game on any level, myself included, which is why I'm trying to learn from you, you know? Well, well just because, look, let me, let me tell you this, though. Just because you didn't play it doesn't mean you doesn't it doesn't mean that you don't know the game of basketball. You could still be a student of the game and been at your entire life and know the game of basketball. Like you don't have to play. Hell, I know a lot of players that play the game of basketball that don't know the game of basketball. So funny. you know, at the end of the day, man, it's about what you put into it. You know, it's like studying anything else you want to become in life or what you want to pursue as a career. And so to those people who never played basketball, don't let nobody tell you that you can't make a statement or you can't comment because you didn't hoop. And at the end of the day, it's all opinionated, right? It's not totally. actual facts. I mean, certain things that you speak is facts, but on certain situations, it's your opinion on how you see things. Whether it's the GOAT conversation, you know, whether it's, it's, it's who's the better player in this situation or who would you build around? It's your opinion. But long as you have some facts to back up why you're saying this, then you're not wrong. I think that's a, I think that's a super smart point. And at the end of the day, like anything else, kind of the, the brief summary of that is you got to put in the work and do your research. And I, I think a lot of that comes from talking to the players as well. But it also helps, and I think it's it's obviously amazing to see somebody like yourself um, dishing it out as well because you are both. Mm -hmm. 
And I think a lot of people, like when I was playing, I didn't talk much in the media. So a lot of people didn't get to see my personality or, or, you know, get to hear the Kendrick Perkins that you hear now on ESPN. So it's like, man, who is this country boy from way down south with this country tone? And I'm not, see, the thing is, I, I be myself. So I'm not going on there. I'm not studying words in an encyclopedia or dictionary to try to go on the TV and be something that I'm not. I'm being authentic. I'm being myself. Whether I mispronounce a word or not, that's who I am. Long as you get my point, I don't care how it is. Just think about it. One of the greats who went Emmys every year, Charles Barkley, he, he just be himself. He's not trying to be nobody else. He, he just go out there and he just be Charles Barkley. Yeah, man. Authenticity is so, it's, it's so important. I'm curious, why do you think, um, or, or maybe a better question would be, how do we get current players how do we make media better? Because players, for the most part, they hate media. Well, I mean, here's the thing, right? As being a player, you got to have tough skin. This is what you signed up for, right? I was a player. So, you know, you go have good games, you go have bad games. It's the media job to talk about, it, mm -hmm. right? This is their job. This is our job to talk about what we saw, what we seen, what's the breaking news, et cetera, et cetera. As a player, a lot of players would never like the media, right? Because we, if you're a real media person that's not biased, then you're going to have to address and say something about someone when they're struggling. And then if they're playing good, you got to be the first to give them their flowers. So both got to have thick skin. The media do and the players do. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's our job. Listen. If you didn't want to be in the media, you shouldn't have signed up to be a professional professional sports player, right? That's just period point blank, because this is what you signed up for. Yeah, I, I think that's a super valuable point. Um, and I'm, I'm always thinking about, you know, also making it, uh, making everything a little bit more fun too. Like I see a lot of repetition um, in terms of like, some of the, like I've literally seen people ask the same question back to back. So also trying to just make it um, more fun for everybody is yeah. obviously never, never a bad thing. Um, I want to ask you about some of your playing days. Do you have, do you have like, when you look back at your career as a whole and you just like, I say, great memories, what pops into your head? My Boston Celtic days. Um, was the best memories I ever had. Uh, that was that was before my ACL injury. That was the best times, 2008 to about I mean 2003, all the way up to like 2010. Uh, you know I was getting better every year. I was young. I was improving. Uh, you know I was going making finals runs to becoming an NBA champion. I was having big games and crucial playoff moments. While I was having big numbers and it was a fun time because I was on the team, a Hall of Famers. Uh, I was on the team that, you know, uh, played together, that had one agenda, coach that didn't practice as much as Doc Rivers, a great coach. And we had fun outside of basketball and we was a real family. So that is some of my memorable moments. Like 
far as me having my best moments on the court, I think, um, you know, in 2008, 2009, Kevin Garnett went out. And I think, you know, in those 14 games that we played, we played won a seven-game series with Chicago. And then we won another seven-game series with Orlando. And I averaged like 15, 11, and four blocks. So, you know, I was having yeah, my business, dog. So yeah. you know, I think about those good good old days, first yeah. on the mind is Celtics. What were some of those outside off-the-court activities that you guys were doing as a team? I mean, and it wasn't much, man. Obviously, you know, you hang out, you you do the nightlife, uh, but you know, it was the it was the card playing together in rooms, going to steakhouses, um, just the interaction that we had on team planes, the competitive nature that we had outside of it. Like we competed, we competed in arm wrestling, we competed on the plane to see who could do the most push-ups. Like, it was just crazy stuff that we gambled and betted on, but we had fun doing it. Uh, it was just great times, man. You know, just everything about it. But when it was time to step on the court, we knew it was time to strap our boots up and go to work. So we was able to balance the two. If you could go back and tell yourself one thing, your rookie self, one thing that would help you in your NBA career, what would you go back and tell yourself? Nothing. I did everything <laughs> I did everything I was supposed to do. Cause here's why, Buster. I'm not to sound arrogant, but you know the average NBA career is three and a half, four years, right? Yeah. Well, I I made it to 14. So as a rookie, I had a great group of vets, and they necessarily wouldn't like, you know. Hall of Famers or whatever. I'm talking about guys like Walter McCarty, Tony Delk, Eric Williams, Tony Petit, guys to that nature who taught me the right way to go about things, who taught me professionalism, who taught me how to have a routine. So if I could go back to my rookie year and change something, it would be nothing because I had an open mind and I listened because I seen so many rookies that came from college high school as I got older in the league and they didn't listen. And next thing you know, they was out the league. So with me having a 14-year career, it's nothing I would change my rookie year, seriously. That's amazing. That's, that's the best answer I've ever gotten to that question, literally. Um, I want to ask you a question, and I ask pretty much every professional athlete this question now um, because I just wish I was in the same position. But – my question is, I, I mean, I know, I assume you have a, a deal with Panini basketball cards, right? Right. And you've signed those for, for years. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you pay Thousands any? Of them. What's up? Yeah. Thousands of them. Do you pay any attention to the market that that is and the industry of investing that goes on in that world? No. So here's my question. What do you think the most somebody has ever paid for a Kendrick Perkins card is? Mm, probably about $25. <laughs> You're going to be blown away. What? $3,000. No way. $3,000. Your 2003 exquisite rookie card, one of one, $2,900. It sold on May 21st, 22 bidders. $45 shipping. So it sold for about Dang. 
That's cool. Hey, pop my collar real quick, Bust. I did not know that. <laughs> I mean, it's it's this whole it's this whole new world where you know people invest in players like their stocks, mm. and like so you in your rookie year, and it, the industry wasn't as big back then. Um, but obviously those cards are now super valuable. A LeBron from the same year, 2003, uh, just sold for a million at auction. Wow. Um, which is pretty crazy. But it's like when you're a rookie, it's like your stock is IPO. It goes into an IPO. So you become a publicly traded stock the second your first basketball cards are made. And then depending on how you play throughout your career and throughout that rookie season, the value shoots up and down. Wow, that's crazy. So so the thousand dollars that Panini gave me for signing twenty five hundred cards, they didn't already made that back off of one card off of one year. <laughs> Possibly. Although this was this was exquisite, which is an upper deck product. Oh, okay. Um, and it was just your rookie card. It's not even signed, but they only printed one of them. So that's why it's the most the most valuable. But three thousand dollars I didn't uh, know that. Is the cherry answer to the question? Hey, salute to anybody. Salute to the person, the individual that bought that perk rookie card. We got to get you guys in contact. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. I got to sign it for them. If Literally, three racks. Send me. The, look, give me the contact. Let me autograph that for the people. <laughs> three racks for, on them on a big perk rookie card. I need that action. Um, my next question is for guys that are. Uh, heading towards the end of their careers you had have now had you know one of the best transitions from playing to being where you are in the position that you're in with ESPN and on TV and everything what would your best advice be to players who are getting near the end of their careers well one is make sure you don't take the NBA for granted uh embrace every moment that you're in there because now that I'm retired those 14 years went by so fast and I looked back and was like, wow, like, I wish I would have embraced this opportunity. So I wish I wouldn't have took, I wouldn't have took for granted this situation or this minute of the game. So embrace it because once it's over, it's over. Um, but have a plan. You know, if you're, if you're a person that don't want to, if you're a player that don't want to retire and just sit at home all day, Make sure you have a plan in place if you want to do another career and starting out. Um, use your resources because right now they're available to you, especially in the NBA. The Players Association has done a great job of providing resources and you have direct contacts to everyone involved with the Players Association to help with your transition after basketball. So take advantage of that. And yes, I know I probably sound like a broken record, to a lot of NBA guys because, believe me, I sit through 14 of those meetings and I'm like, all right, man, when is this going to be over? Like, not really, like, not really letting it sink in. And then after it's over, it's like I find myself repeating the same damn thing that was told to me. Makes sense. It's the right advice, though. I mean, it makes perfect sense. The NBA is such a unique and you know, forever expanding, just incredible platform, you know, right. let alone business. Um, so that's, that's definitely um, great advice. Now, social media, 
we're not going to get into too much of the nitty gritty details advice. We'll, we'll get into that later. But um, I wanted to ask what, what are your favorite platforms? Because we got in contact uh, through Luke, um, but also through LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. What are your favorite platforms? Where are you spending your time? Bro, I, I like LinkedIn. Luke put me on that. Luke is, you know, uh, basically my my brother, but my my marketing agent, uh, A1A, great guy. Uh, we've been around each other doing business together for four years, and he was like, Perk, you're tripping. Why are you not on LinkedIn? We got to get you on LinkedIn. I'm like, Luke, you know all I do is Twitter and uh, Instagram. He like, bro, LinkedIn is where it's at. So I'm like, all right, let's do it. So it's those three platforms that basically I, I, I'm always in. It's Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So I'm still figuring out LinkedIn, but it's pretty dope. Luke's a smart man. And just one piece Super. Um, one thing that I, I will say about LinkedIn right now, and I think for especially, you know, for the younger people listening to this, um, LinkedIn is a great platform for discoverability, um, especially if you're going into the job market. I think uh, you should take advantage because the way that the LinkedIn algorithm works is if I like your post on LinkedIn, it now appears on the feed for every single person that I'm connected with. Mm, mm. Same thing for a comment. So imagine if like LeBron likes your post on Instagram and now your post appears on the feed of every single 50 million people that follow LeBron. See, you know know what's crazy? See, that's the separation of it because Twitter and Instagram is popular, but LinkedIn is powerful. Like that's a powerful thing for some one person to comment or like, and then all of a sudden it, it trickles down like that. That's powerful. And you're right. That's great advice. I have a buddy in Toronto um, and he has like a hundred thousand followers on LinkedIn. And whenever he likes one of my posts, I always text him afterwards. Cause I look at the insights and I'm like, you dirty dog. Cause it says 95% people that saw my post from Toronto. <laughs> 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 so it's always very direct and obvious when that happens. Um, but yeah, everybody should pay a lot of attention uh, to LinkedIn, just like Kendrick and, and obviously Luke. Um, for kids that are starting to consider going down this um, basketball or entrepreneurial you know, route, what would, what would you tell uh, youngsters? And I imagine, you know, the same thing you would tell to your kids as well. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, whatever you put into it is what you get out of it. Uh, it's no shortcuts, you know, especially in the professional world. I don't care if you're trying to make it in basketball, football, baseball, hockey, whatever it may be, because the odds are against you. You know what I mean? It's one out of it is one out of every four hundred and fifty thousand young people that make it in a professional sport. So at the end of the day, you know, um, you're never working too hard, you know, and then now when you're dealing with this younger generation who's caught up in NBA 2K, who's caught up in Fortnite, who's caught up into the video games and have all these extracurricular things that's going on to distract them, you know, while you're on the video games, they have those certain guys that are out there in the driveway 
dribbling the ball or those guys that are out there on football fields running with sleds and parachutes, you know, to work on their speed or that are working on their craft and getting better. And you don't want to be that kid that's playing catch up. You want to be that kid that's ahead and going to continue to be ahead by outworking the next person. That's the only way you're going to be able to get to where you got to go or you're trying to go. And one thing that I would just add from personal experience, so I'm 19 now, Mm. I started Hoops Nation when I was 15. And the only reason that it worked was because it was something that I was passionate about. So Mm. for everybody, find, like, figure out what, just think about what you do in your free time and then figure out how to turn that into a career. You can do that for video games now. That's impressive. That's impressive, man. For real, Buster. That's impressive. Because that... That goes to show me that like, you really punched in the clock. Like, to get to a million followers, like, you really was doing some great things. And you and people don't understand. It's like you, they don't understand the hard work that you was putting into actually building something that you was passionate about. And now, yeah, it wasn't a sprint, but it was a marathon because now you started at the age of 15, and you look now that you're 19, four years later, and you're like, wow, I have developed a major platform for myself. And you still got room to go because you're only 19 years old. Hell, your ass ain't even old enough to rent a, rent a car yet. I know. it's uh, The renting car thing is a struggle. Um, <laughs> I, I, I appreciate that, though. Um, I, can, I can drink in Europe, but okay. I don't know. That's about it. Um, no, I, I really do appreciate that, though. Um, and I, I think really just the, the reasoning behind it is that at the end of the day, I wouldn't have done it if I didn't enjoy it. And I think that's the, the takeaway for anybody. Um, I heard a, a really funny story, and I want to fact check this with you. Go ahead. You mentioned Fortnite. Oh, man, I shouldn't have mentioned it. <laughs> <laughs> that's facts. You ain't... You ain't even got to bring it up. That's facts. That's facts. Fortnite is not allowed in my house no more. That is facts. What you heard about the $16,000 bill and all that, yes, they ran my credit card up. My two sons did. That is facts. No lies detected. Yes. Yes, they did. Although it is a great story. (laughs) That is the one thing you have going for it. It is, man. It is. And, and to be honest, they I wouldn't say they didn't know any better, but I didn't know too much about Fortnite because I don't play video games. Mm-hmm. So I, from my understanding, the game is free. But since we all were connected to one, whatever account it is, and they have cell phones and, and the Wi-Fi, they knew, you know, the information and they were able to buy skins and all this old extra stuff I don't even You've done know. your research. Right. <laughs> it was not only buying for themselves, that they was buying for their cousins, friends. Everybody had the new skins and new everything to to advance. And I just was like, my God, like, wh- like how in the world? Because I had read, you know what's crazy? And I'm telling you this first. Um, I just had read on, on some social network site, I forgot what it was, where it was like Fortnite hit like what over a billion plus dollars their first year right 
And I'm like, how do they do that when the game is free? And then all of a sudden, bam, I get a $16,000 bill on my credit card. I'm like, that's how they hit over. (laughs) (laughs) That makes perfect sense. (laughs) Yeah, man, it's those in-app purchases. They kill you. Right. It's how the uh, the app store, even for like iPhone games run. Um, have you ever played NBA 2K? Never. Never? No, I watched myself. I watched people play with, with me. Like I didn't been with my homeboys and my partners and I didn't watch them play, but I've never played NBA 2K. Never. Why? Why is that? I don't know. I just... Man, to be honest, man, I'm kind of, I kind of got like an old soul, man. I was raised by my grandparents. But I can tell you this, my game of choice from about 2003 to 2006 was Madden. Like, I love to play Madden. I don't know why, but I wasn't big on NBA 2K and and, uh, NBA Live and all that, but I love to play Madden. And then, by the way, I wasn't happy with my uh, overall rate neither. So I was like, screw NBA 2K. So I just played Madden all the time. <laughs> I love that. Um, my next question, um, I know you're, because of, you're such a smart guy, I'm so interested for your answer. Um, you've been married for 20 years, right? I've been married for 10. I've been you've been married for 10, for got 20. it. I've been with my wife for 20. Got it. My wife's been putting up with me for 20 years. That's amazing. What, for all the, the youngsters listening, what's your best relationship advice? Um, not to think that the grass is green on the other side, because it's not. Um, my thing is, is that communication. And if you find someone that you know is good for you, you got to hold on to them, because nine, nine times out of 10, that's the right person. So, you know, especially for athletes uh, that are up and coming, you know, one thing you want to do and, you know, it it worked for a lot of people is when you establish a a stable household, um, it helps you as a man, but it also helps your career because it keeps you focused. You know what I mean? Uh, Yes, you love that individual, but it also keeps you focused on the task at hand. So, you're not out at the clubs all the time. You're not out at every uh, pool party or whatever the case may be. You're able to focus on your job because you know you have something at home that's waiting on you. So that would be my advice to a lot of people in the world. That's super sound. And I, I think that that would literally apply to anybody in mm-hmm. business. It's like, however much time you would be spending on it, you've now been gifted that back. Absolutely. Absolutely. And instead of putting all your energy in different baskets, you can put it into one. Right. That basket is much better. <laughs> yes, it's something called structure. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you, when you think, I, I assume you watch the, uh, the Jordan documentary. Mm-hmm. Every First episode. Off, what 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 was your live reaction to that? Were you just happy that there was content during quarantine or what 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 was your reaction to watching that? Well you have to understand, man, like growing up, a kid in the nineties, like I'm an eighties baby. So me growing up, I was around 
that was right around the time where I actually started to really have major interest into basketball, in NBA basketball. And Michael Jordan was like Disney World to us. Like, everybody wanted to be like Mike. So, but as we know, Michael Jordan was a guy that never spoke out a lot. Like, you could never catch him on media conversations. Hell, he don't even have social media accounts right now, right? He's that private. So anytime you're able to see 10 episodes, an hour piece, each episode of Michael Jordan speaking, because you know he's going to give it to you raw and uncut, and then behind the scenes to see his relationship with the Bulls, Dennis Rodman, how he drinking Bud Lights, jumping on the motorcycle, how he needed to get a trip to Vegas during the regular season. How Phil Jackson had to manage all those damn egos. How Scottie Pippen, in my opinion, the greatest uh, number two player of all time and everything. Jordan smoking cigars in the locker room, which you would get kicked out of the NBA locker room today if you was to do something like that. Just all the behind scenes of that Jordan, of the, uh, of the whole Chicago Bulls thing was pure gold. It was the best sports documentary that I ever seen in my entire life. Wow, I agree. And it was especially exciting for for myself because I had never I just hadn't seen it. Right, right. You don't you don't have access to that kind of stuff unless you were there. Right. And it's crazy that they was even recording that back then. Like crazy. that's the crazy thing to get all of that content for that and then put it out somewhat almost 20 some years later like that was everything and it was right on time totally now if you could direct a documentary on something that there hasn't been a doc made about what would that be oh, it gotta be the next thing it gotta be lebron james what would it be would it be 2016 well, it would be, it would be, it would be basically LeBron James from the kid from Akron that had the most pressure on him in any person, on any person ever in sports history coming out of high school and has exceeded expectations. Like just, just to hear his story, like this is the thing. When Michael Jordan was getting cut in the 10th grade from high school, LeBron James was on a cover of Sports Illustrated called The Chosen One. He was set up for failure. Think about the pressure. He was the first guy ever, first, first player in any sports to get a national televised game. He set that stone. Like, he was the foundation of that. And to be in year 17 and have an excellent NBA career with no one on this planet could say that he underachieved as a player, that's the story that needs to be told. That's the story that needs to be heard. That's a documentary that I would want to see. Man, I'm, I'm getting chills hearing you talk about it. I feel like you should narrate it. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of LeBron, do you remember the first time you guys met? Yeah, I'm, I'm in North Bronx since the seventh grade. Um, we both came out of the same high school class. We played on that same AAU team and when we was like 16 years old, the Oakland Soldiers. Don't ask me how it happened, it just happened. 
how he how he's from Ohio, I'm from Texas, and in some kind of way we ended up on the Oakland Soldiers from Cali. It was a fun experience, but me and Braun are real close. Uh, that's a brother to me, um, and I've been knowing him for a long time. I remember the first time I met him, we met we uh, met up uh, in a championship game at Disney Wild World of Sports uh, in Orlando, and we was in the eighth grade, and I remember we ended up beating them, but we met up there. You beat LeBron at that Orlando. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> <He> it. <laughs> that's that's amazing. Um, now, Michael Jordan. I assume you you guys have met at some point in time. I did. I met Mike one time, right? And I just remember, I never met Mike, so I'm playing with the Celtics, and we're playing the Bobcats at the time. So we had just beat the socks off of them in Charlotte. And we in the locker room, and I'm, like, literally, I got my back put in my locker, putting on my clothes. I just got out the shower, and I just hear his voice, man. And he's talking with KG, Ray, and Paul. And when I hear KG light up, I know it's somebody special. And it was Mike. And it's like that good 90s R&B music, man. When it come on, you get like that different type of like flow. I had to turn around. I'm like, man, this MJ. So I go up, I stand up, I walk up to him. I'm like, hey, MJ, how you doing, man? I'm Kendrick Perry. He's like, man, I know who you are, God damn it. I know who you are. Boy, yo, yo, you from the country, huh? Boy, they must have gave you a lot of red pepper, man, because you a feisty son of a gun like that. And I was like, dang. It was just crazy though, because he was just so real and everything about it was so authentic. That's crazy. Getting that from Michael, you must have been buzzing for like two weeks after that. <laughs> Would you put up 40 points in the next game? Right. <laughs> no, nah, it was more like 10, but it felt like 40. <laughs> I love that, man. That's crazy. Now, last thing um, I want to dive into before I let you go here, um, and thank you again for coming on and doing this. No problem, Buzz. Appreciate um, it. But I wanted to ask you about the bubble. Mm -hmm. A, do you think it will last? And B, who do you think will win if you think it will last? Okay. A, so far, so far, so good. Um, I think we had the best commissioner in sports in Adam Silver. Great. I think uh, <clears throat> the way that Adam Silver and the NBA communicated with Chris Paul, Michelle Robinson, the Players Association, to put a strategic plan together to, to get this bubble going, right? Now, it's not going to be perfect. And like you see now, two guys have tested positive in the bubble. We all knew this, right? But the thing is, is to start it and crown the champion at the end. And so far, so good. At first, guys were complaining about the food, but now we're seeing video of guys playing ping pong, fishing, playing basketball, practicing, you know, and guys are starting to get accustomed to it. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, hold on. They put together a pretty good plan. And the whole protocol that they have when they caught two guys breaking the protocol that now get are getting punished and penalized, and the penalties are really severe because when the game starts, if you break protocol, you know, you get like 
a certain percentage of your salary taken away from you. Like if the penalties start hitting different. So I'm looking at it and I'm like, this is going to work. Cause I just finished watching the TBT uh, tournament and uh -huh. it was successful. So I'm like, okay, a billion dollar bubble is going to be pretty damn successful. Yes. They're going to hit nicks and bruises, but I do see a champion being crowned. Now you're setting me up because doing, because it is unique circumstances, right? And, and, no one has – this is going to be probably – whoever wins this championship in my eyes is, is going to be one of the greatest championships ever. That's just my opinion because no fans going to the bubble, uh, work stoppage for three and a half months, only having three weeks to get in basketball shape, play basketball for eight games, and then play at the highest level, right? Your mental toughness got to be at a different level, Okay. We know this, but right now, I would have to say that the Lakers are my favorite to win the title, slight edge. Now, I do have a couple of people under them that worries me that, that I was like, you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if they do win it. And it's the Boston Celtics, the Toronto Raptors, the Clippers, and the uh, Houston Rockets. So those four teams are right there under there. But I'm going to tell you this. I wouldn't be surprised if a team that no one expected to win wins it because it's a different, different type of thing. It's a different journey. And then you do have to realize coronavirus can play a fake, a huge part in the playoffs. One key guy catch coronavirus in the playoff series could change everything. So it's part of it. The players knew this when they signed up for it. So that's why it's so hard to crown a, a champion right now or make a bold prediction. But I want to see the first four games being played, and then I can see what team is doing what. Totally. I wish – I wish I had the insider information that I really want to know is who has courts at their houses and who, um, who has gyms at their houses. Those are the, like during quarantine. Well, you know, a lot to be, to be honest with you, it's crazy because a lot of guys have outdoor courts but a lot of guys don't put gyms in their houses because they have so, so much access to other gyms. So yeah. when they get they when they buy their houses or build their houses, that's they that's they 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 await that's their sanctuary away from the workplace. You know, obviously you're gonna have a hoop somewhere around your house, but a lot of guys don't actually build gyms. Like Braun don't have a gym in his house. He have a weight gym and workout type gym, but he don't have an actual basketball gym. Does he have a basketball court outside? Yes. But <laughs> he has access. Let's think about it. Because when you're an NBA player, you have 24-hour access to practice facilities. You can go there at 1, 2 in the morning if you want to. Hmm. Makes sense. Um, well, my man, I appreciate you coming on. Um, Last thing here, everybody, make sure to go follow at the real Kendrick Perkins on Instagram and at Kendrick Perkins on Twitter. 
My man, thank you so much for coming on. Hey, Buzz, I appreciate it, man. Keep doing a good job on your Hoop Nation and everything that you got going on. The sky's the limit, my brother. Thank you. All, All right. right. See you guys.